Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get started this morning. I get to talk to you. That's kind of exciting. I'll try to keep it at a minimum. But let's turn to Romans chapter 8. And I have to kind of tell on myself because um, when I was putting the message together, I really didn't know what direction to go. I was thinking about doing a series and some different things, and I just kept getting this one thing in my heart. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll go this route. And then I'm telling on myself because um, I'm supposedly on the worship team, and we have schedules sent out, and we know the lists. I didn't check the list till this morning. But what's so interesting, and I love this, is that we sang a song today about no condemnation. That's what I'm talking about today. I'm like, that is so cool when it just lines up like that. I, I didn't cheat and look at the notes. To, what are we singing? But it was just so perfect. There's no condemnation in Christ. And so I want to look at what, what uh, Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Look at this. Therefore, there is now what? No, no condemnation. Did you catch that? Aren't you glad he didn't write a little less? Maybe just a bit, depending on what day. He says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many in Christers? Come on, raise your hand. So if we're experiencing condemnation, that's not coming from Jesus. Look at this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. What a powerful statement. You know, when, when, I, when I look in the scripture, I like to do more than just read an English Bible. I like to really dig into what's really being said. And I want to have a conversation today about this killer called condemnation. Say condemnation. It's a killer. What's the answer to accusation or guilt or shame that comes with this condemnation? So let's find out together. We're going to get into this. And I actually titled this, The Killer Mindset. The Killer Mindset. Actually, when I did this, I thought, that's kind of weird. Killer is like a word like bad. Now, when I was young, we used to say, man, that is bad. You know, like you saw a cool car. That's a bad Corvette. But then you'd be like, that's some bad cheese, right? Like, there's two meanings. Killer is the same way. Like, I mean, a, a killer mindset could be like, that's an awesome mindset. But today I want to talk about a mindset that kills. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about physical death, but I'm talking about what can kill you from doing everything that God's called you to do, from being who God's called you to be. Does that make sense? And so where does condemnation start? I think that's the first question we need to ask. And for most of us, I think this is a good time to talk about this anyway because I really believe this, and, and you hear this every Sunday when you're here. There's something interwoven into every message, and it's the fact that you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know whose you are, who you belong to. You need to understand the truth of your origin. You need to understand the truth of your being, who you truly are. Because sometimes our actions don't line up with who we truly are. Come on, can I get another amen? But that doesn't mean that you aren't who God says you are. We have to become more in touch with that 
awaken to that reality in order to see our actions change. And so how does condemnation start? Well, it starts with a knowing that you've done something wrong. Anyone here ever done anything wrong? Yeah. But then it goes to the next level, right? After doing wrong, it brings a sense of guilt, which turns into condemnation. Come on, you condemn yourself for what you did. We've all been there, right? And it really reminds me of the creation story, Adam and Eve. How many are familiar with the story? And so we have the, the, the people that represent humanity in this story being created by God, which, by the way, when God created man, he said, it's very good. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very good. How many know the story never changed? Now, again, sometimes we can, I don't know, for some reason we look at things differently and we, we feel like we're just these these evil, filthy people that God can barely stand. But the truth is, his story about us has never changed. Our minds have changed, just like in the creation story. But God's mind has never changed. And so we see that Adam and Eve were created. They were put in this beautiful garden with all the amenities they'd ever need. But they were told not to eat of one tree. And so they ate of the tree. And I want to pick up here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. We're going somewhere this morning. Say, we're going somewhere. Say, hang on, neighbor. Look at this in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, this is after the fall. This is after they did what they weren't supposed to do, we could say. How many are familiar with the story? And so they're hearing the sound of the Lord. He's coming to visit them like he did every single day. And what did they do? What are the next three words? And they hid. Why did they hide? They hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, I was thinking about this idea here of, of hiding or, or being hidden. You know, when I, was, um, when I was young, and I'm sure, you know, if you've had kids, you've seen this. You ever notice sometimes when a kid does something wrong that they'll go hide? I remember one time I was in the living room doing something, and Aiden was grounded from games, uh, you know, in, in, in any electronics and things like that. Uh, hi, Aiden. Telling the story about you, buddy. You're awesome. And so he was grounded. Well, he was in the other room, and all of a sudden, how many, how many have noticed this with kids? When it gets really quiet, you kind of wonder what's going on. And so it got really quiet, and I thought, I haven't heard a peep out of him for a while. I'm like, hey, Aiden. I said, what you doing? Right? And he says, um, just playing chess. I'm like, when did he pick up chess? What? That was a bad lie. So I, I walk in and I see my phone sitting there on the, on the table next to him and I pick it up and sure enough, I open it and it's got an app running in the background, a game. And so I ask one more time and you know what, buddy, you were honest. We had a great day, but we just, we have this tendency sometimes to, to, when we do something wrong to, to run and hide or to try to cover it up. When I was reading this this morning, it just came to me. It says, and they hid. They went into hiding. They went into, we could say, as, as, as human beings, pretending, putting on masks. And this is what we do a lot of times. They hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But look at this. But the Lord God called to the man. Now, this is absolutely beautiful. You have to pick this up in the story. Because so many times, you know, we flash forward to now. So many times we feel like when we mess up, when we screw up, God leaves us. I mean, 
Unfortunately, there's messages out there that God will break fellowship with you. He wants nothing to do with you. Why? Because you sinned. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, the very help that I need in this point of my life has left me? It's not scriptural. There's a few scriptures that people have taken out of context to say that. But look what happens. I mean, just look at the story. They messed up. They were hiding. They were pretending. They're putting on masks. And what does God do? He calls to them. He has conversation with them. He's still in communication. What does he say? Where are you? Where are you? Now, I've said this before. I don't, I don't think God was playing hide and seek. I don't think he was literally like, man, they're hiding really good. I don't know where they are right now. This question, where are you, goes more than the physical place that they were. It's, Adam, where's your thinking right now? Where are you right here? We could say the killer mindset. There was condemnation that crept in here. Look at his answer. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's so easy to just read over this, isn't it? All right, dude, you realized you're naked. You hid behind a tree. It's more than that. This word naked in the Hebrew, it means naked, but it also means helpless. Have you ever been in a state where you feel like you've gone so far that you just feel helpless? You feel like, uh, even though deep down it's like, yeah, I know God could help me, but I don't think he wants to. I'm in a helpless state right now. This is where Adam was in his thinking. He says, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was, we could say, helpless, so I hid. Now, this word hid in the Hebrew means to hide, but it also means to draw back. When I saw this, I was like, you ever had those moments where you just see something, you're like, whoa, you almost get, we call them Holy Ghost goosebumps in the charismatic church. Not a whole lot of charismatics here, that's okay. But you know those moments, it's an epiphany, it's like revelation, like it's, it's rhema word, it's there, it's now. And I thought, oh my gosh, do we see the story that's unfolding here? It says that, that he drew back. Now if we flash forward to the children of Israel, when they were making covenant with God. And God says, okay, listen, I understand that, you know, just like at one point they said, we want a king. Why? Well, every other nation has a king. We want to be like them. God, God warned that it wouldn't be good, but he would acquiesce. I believe the same thing happened with the whole sacrificial system. That's what they were used to. They came out of slavery for 430 years. They were used to seeing this. This is just how the world worked. But what's beautiful is when God was laying out how sacrifices should start and how they should happen, the very first words he says to them is, draw near to me. Why? Because humanity has this way if we don't feel like we measure up, we don't feel like we're good enough, we feel like we've stumbled, we've fallen, uh, you know, we just, we can't, we can't do it, I can't even pick myself up by my bootstraps, what do you do? We withdraw, we draw back. That's what Adam was doing. He was saying, I'm naked, I'm, I'm helpless, I need to hide, I need to withdraw myself, when the very answer for his life was right before him. I want to encourage you today, no matter where you are in your walk with God, whether you have a walk with God or not, wherever you are in life, don't withdraw from God. He loves you. He wants to be there on this journey. He wants to be there with you in these New Year's resolutions you're making, especially when you mess up and you don't quite meet the goal. Come on. 
Look at this. And he said, this is what God says to him. Who told you that you were helpless? I love that word there. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm feeling condemned. I'm feeling helpless right now. And God says, who told you that you were helpless? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat from? See, this is where condemnation began. It's that whole story of humanity where, you know, we're going along, things are good, we, we feel like life's good, and then we mess up. We stumble, we fall. We operate outside of our true God-given identity, and that's where those sins come into play. And here's the thing. I know that, you know, as a, as a pastor, I'm just saying you have to be careful in how you say things because sometimes it could come across like sin doesn't matter. But I've never said sin doesn't matter. Sin hurts, it'll burn you, it stings. But we have to get it right. Scripture says that the wages of sin is death. Sometimes we insert the wages of God when you sin is death. No, the wages of sin is death. Sin pays out its own wages. How many know what wages are? How many go to work? Right? You're, you're earning wages. Well, when you sin, you're earning the wage of death. And so in those moments, you got to think the source of life, the, the solution to all our failures, the solution to our addictions, the solution to our falling and stumbling, uh, to all our problems is God. And God says, where are you? And again, I don't believe this is a physical asking. It's where are you? I mean, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, too, that we are, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. There, Paul really deals with his mind thing a lot. And so it's so important how we think because how you think is then how you speak and how you act. And so there's some really valid things to this. So condemnation puts us into a hiding mentality. We could even say a helpless state. It makes us sin conscious. This is the thing that is really wonderful about the ministry of Jesus as I've gone through the Gospels and, and, and seen his life. Jesus never pointed to the sin in someone. He pointed to the son in them. Even before he would, would you know, give healing virtue to somebody, he would say, your sins are forgiven you. He wasn't calling attention to the sin. He was calling to the attention to the fact that they're forgiven. Think about that. But so many times we just think, man, God can't, he's not going to bless me. First of all, he's given you all things for life and godliness through Christ Jesus. It's a done deal. Now it's a matter of you seeing that you are totally forgiven, that God does, does love you, that everything he's given is a gift. Gifts are free. They're not earned. And then receiving those things. Believing that it's true and receiving what God has given us. Now, this word condemnation in the Greek, it's katakrima, and it means damnatory sentence. Damning, of course, means causing incrimination, which I was thinking about that, just a side thought. Incriminating is to involve in an accusation or to accuse. Scripture tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So if you ever feel accused, let me clue you into something. It's not God. Do you follow me? It's never God accusing you. 
It's the devil, the Diablos, and Tom could go deep into that for us later. That whole idea and that concept, not necessarily a physical person, but it's anyone who accuses. It's anyone who uh, uh, says something about you that's not true or calls you out on something. See, Holy Spirit is there to remind us of our righteousness, and we're going to talk about that. But what's the point? Condemnation is never from God. God does not condemn you to somehow get you to change. God loves you. The scriptures say that the kindness of the Lord draws you to repentance. See, whenever I've been feared into something or shamed into something, I might do those actions that they want me to do, but it doesn't change my heart. But the kindness of the Lord, the love of the Lord, his grace, that brings heart change. And when your heart changes, guess what? Then your actions change. It's beautiful. But I want to look at Romans chapter 5 now, verse 16. Look at this. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. Now, we just talked about the creation story, right? We talked about that, that, that original sin, some people would call it. He says the result of God's gracious gift is very different. Say very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. There it is. There it is. But look at this. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, I want you to pick up on this. Listen to what's being said. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Now stop there for a second. Whenever you see a but, you need to pay attention to that but. You feel me? It's telling you one side of the equation, but the but negates what that is to say, but look at what's going on now. Are you catching this? Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Look at this. For all who, how many? For all who receive it. This is the key. This is the key. You must receive it. I mean, I use that that description all the time when the trees are up and the presents are there. I'm like, somebody can hand you a gift. They extend a gift to you, but you don't benefit from the gift unless you receive it. You could be like, man, that's a cool gift. That looks pretty. That's awesome. Oh, look at this red ribbon. I love red. That's my favorite color. That's beautiful. That's cool. Thanks. Well, receive it. Open it. Benefit from it. Look at this. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now, when we read this, it seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Like, yeah, makes sense. But, you know, I've... I've been in church for a long time, most of my life. I usually tell people my, my story. My, you know, they have those testimonies, you know. I was in years of sin, hard drugs, just crazy life. And then at the age of seven, I received the Lord. I know it doesn't sound as good, right? You know, I heard a comedian once say, this guy's all like, yeah, I was hooked on crack and all this stuff and all. And he's like, man, he goes, he has such a great testimony. I wish I was hooked on crack. You know, it was a joke, but... But, you know, for most of my life, I've known that there was a God. I've had a relationship with God. It's changed in many ways. It's much more beautiful than it was when I was seven, of course. But, you know, I've been in church for a long time. I've pastored for quite a few years now, and I've counseled and talked with many people. 
And there's many people who have come to altars and prayed prayers, but they still live in shame. They still live in guilt. They still live in condemnation. And here Paul's saying, we read earlier, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say that, that even though Adam's sin led to condemnation, there's that big but, even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of righteousness. But here's the key again, for all who receive it, this is key. So think about this, when God comes to you in your garden, you know, your garden of life, a moment where maybe you've totally went off the rails, maybe you've done things that you regret, that you're ashamed of in those moments. Ask yourself this question, where am I? Where is my thinking in this moment? Am I hiding? Do I feel helpless? Or am I in the open, even having messed up? I mean, this is something I had to learn the hard way, is that even when I mess up, to, to withdraw from God, the source of my life and strength, is the wrong thing to do. How does that help me? What, am I going to do it on my own? Well, that's kind of how I live life. I'm going to do this on my own. I, I, Lord, I'm going to prove something to you. And then I remember one day, just that still, small voice saying, why are you trying to prove yourself to me? You're already my son. Those are those moments that just change you for eternity. When you realize that you're loved and your good works, good works are great, but nothing we do earns the love of God. No matter how hard we can try, there's no trying. It's a gift. It's free. It's freely given. He goes on to say, I can almost see it, sorry, verse 18. He says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God in new life for who? Everyone. It's so cool how inclusive the gospel is. There's alls and everyone's throughout it all. But the key is what? Receive it. You have to receive it. Nothing's forced on you. And I, I just, I, I love the, the analogy of Christmas morning or a birthday party. You don't have to force a gift on a kid. In fact, on Christmas, I mean, if they're really little, it's like they're jumping, let's get up, let's go, Santa's here, he came. You're like, oh my gosh, let me sleep. No, let's go. They want the gifts now, whether you give them permission or not. And I often say, why don't we just be children in the kingdom of God and just receive the gifts freely and just be excited about what God has given us? And so when I struggle in life, when, you know, I seem to keep falling and failing, when I feel guilt, when I feel shame and condemnation, I've got to this place where I have to ask myself the question, Andrew, where are you? Where are you when you're thinking right now? Because really, again, what we think on becomes our words and our actions. I mean, that's why it's so important what we think about, what we dwell on, what we meditate on. And so I need to see in every situation, whether it's good or bad, that I am the righteousness of God through Christ. That's who I am. Guess what? 
that's who you are as well. And again, it's not something you earn. It's something that's freely given. And what I found is the more that I realize how free it is and how good God is, it literally changes my heart to a place where I want to do the right things. I actually want to reflect the image of God to the world, starting at home with my family. You desire to reflect God's image and likeness. So with that being said, here's a question, what is righteousness? Because maybe some of you here this morning are watching online, or, you know, I've heard that word before, being righteous, righteousness. Simply stated, it's a state or condition of justification. It's the state or condition of being justified. You know, it's nothing's held against you. This is wonderful. This is what the gospel is telling us. There's, there's nothing being held against you. Your sins are remembered no more. That's why we can say with boldness that we are completely forgiven. And I know people get scared because they're like, well, if I'm completely forgiven, then that means I could. And they start coming up. Nobody does that. When you realize how good it is, you don't go, hey, how much can I get away with? The state or condition of being justified. In other words, all is good between us and God. He approves of us. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. God approves of you. And it's unchanging. So the second question is, how do I obtain righteousness? <laughs> it's kind of a trick question, maybe. Maybe a loaded question. It's by having faith in God's good opinion of you. It's by faith. You don't obtain it through working harder. You obtain it by going, oh, it's a gift. It's mine. I know it seems so simple, doesn't it? Listen, the gospel isn't hard. I think we've made it harder. I was talking to Reverend Michael Lusk from Vanguard Evangelism. I was um, actually lucky enough to, blessed enough, we say that as Christians, we're blessed, we're not lucky. My dad used to say that. But we were hanging out the other night just talking. And, I mean, this is, this is a man in a ministry that has gone all around the world, 20, 21 nations. I mean, seen so many wonderful things happen when preaching the gospel. And he says to me, he goes, you know, I think we just made the gospel way too hard for people. <laughs> I said, man, I'm right on the same page. And he and I were having a blast because, like, I've been digging into the early church fathers and history and just, just having a blast. And that's what he's been doing. In fact, he's learning, um, uh, I think he's going, learning Hebrew right now. I'm like, man, dude, I'm jealous going to seminary and learning so many things. But, you know, when you begin to open yourself up outside the box of denomination and you realize that the early church had so many ideas that they were tossing around and debating and talking about and there's so much wonderful revelation, you know, sometimes we, we don't know anything, you know, before Augustine. But you go deeper in and you start going, man, there's some really good stuff here. And you realize how good the gospel is. And sometimes what we've done is we've made it so hard. We're like, man, we're going we're gonna to really do you, do you good here. We're going to put up some hurdles and some doors, and we're going to lock them for you. And then if you find your way and work really hard, then maybe, just maybe, you'll go to heaven. Why are we making it hard? No, not everyone, but I'm included in that. I, I look back at some of my messages and go, wow, you were making this way too complicated. It's not that complicated. And so it's a progress, a process. It's a journey, right? So we don't work for righteousness. 
It's a free gift from God. It's very important for us, though, to realize that we are righteous because it will completely change our perspective on everything in life. Now, I know it's kind of tough, especially if you've been you know, dealing with an issue or an addiction or something in your life. It's really hard to see yourself as righteous. But at the end of the day, God calls you righteous. How many here want to argue with God? I don't. Maybe we should just trust him and say, all right, I believe you. It's going to take some time. I'm going to have to process this. I'm going to need some, spend some more time with you. I need a better understanding of who I am. Because, you know, here's the thing. When we look in the mirror, we see everything, don't we? And we get up close and we see, oh, man, look, another zit. We see all the stuff. And even if you take that in a metaphorical way, we just see everything. And we have this tendency to think of ourselves as a sum total of all our bad actions instead of seeing ourselves as God has called us, righteous, pleasing, holy, acceptable. Some people are cringing right now, thinking, I could never say that about myself. Well, until you do, you'll continue the struggle. I say that because I know I myself did. All right, God, I'm really going to prove it. I'm going to prove it. This week is the week. This year is the year. (laughs) Rather than going, you know what? Instead of this being the year or the week or the month that I do more, why don't I just take time and rest in what you've already done for me and awaken to the truth of who I am? Isn't that beautiful? I believe that we begin to see victory in our lives when we operate from this perspective. See, operating from a righteous perspective It brings faith. It brings trust. But when we operate from a condemned perspective, it brings fear resulting in doubt and ultimately condemnation and hiding because we feel we don't measure up. We can't do enough for the Lord. So seeing ourselves as righteous enables faith to operate, whereas a condemned heart disables our faith from operating. Why? We can't trust God. I hear what you're saying, preacher, but but you don't know my life. No, I may not know your life, but God knows your life, and God still calls you righteous in the midst of all that stuff. We call it stuff here at Faith City Church. How many have some stuff in their life? Understanding that we are acceptable to God causes us to believe him and take him at his word. Let's look at Romans 8 again. And I want to look at this in the Mirror Bible. I love this translation. Because we really have to get to a place where we just say, God, I trust you. I believe that you want to heal me physically, spiritually, in my soul. I I get to a place where we have faith and trust that God literally wants us to experience joy and peace in our life. To experience his love in every area of our life. But this comes from understanding that God accepts me. And he calls me righteous. But look at this, Romans 8, starting in verse 1. It says, now the decisive conclusion is this. Now listen up. This is the decisive conclusion. In Christ, every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. Isn't that awesome? Nothing's being held against you. So stop holding it against yourself. Verse 2. 
The law of the Spirit is the liberating force of life in Christ. This leaves me with no further obligation to the law of sin and death. Spirit has superseded the sin-enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives. Isn't that awesome? Now, I get, what, I get the, the way of thinking. You know, when, when you're in a situation where you're just not living the best life, you're not living your best life, and you know that you're making wrong decisions, it's really hard in those moments to see yourself as righteous and pleasing. Come on, I've been there. But until we do... The whole cleanup, if you will, is going to be really hard, especially if you're doing it on your own. I often say that, you know, we're all built differently. We have different personalities, and some people have great willpower. My brother-in-law is one of those. Like, when he sees something, he can just seize it like a bulldog and just go. And I'm like, yeah, me too, for like two weeks. I mean, some people just have great willpower. But, man, willpower can only get you so far in life. But the power of Christ from within, the kingdom within, can help you see those things that you struggle with fall to the wayside. And, and this is why I say all the time that the way to get people to stop sinning, because some people think the pastor's job is to get people to stop sinning. <laughs> I gave up on that years ago. I can't control anybody. We think the way to do that is to really to beat them into submission or to somehow fear them into you better or else. But I found by my own experience that it's love that transforms a heart. And when love transforms your heart, you will begin to do the right things out of your heart. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? So listen, don't give in to condemnation. Reject it. We need to make a choice today, and maybe this is a great time, beginning of the year, to make this choice to not live a life of guilt and shame, resulting in hiding and feeling helpless. Because God's right there. He's not going anywhere. He promised to never leave us and never forsake us. Listen, God loves you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do. We, we sang the song today, Reckless Love. Now, whether you like the title or not, it is kind of reckless because, you know, I think about the way that sometimes I love, and really it's not love because it has conditions with it. If you do this and that, and you, I'm working on it. I do better than I used to do. That's all we can hope for right on the journey is, is we're growing, we're maturing, we're, we're perfecting that in our life. But we can't think of this in human terms. God loves you despite the things you've done, no matter where you are in life. He still sees you as righteous. Why? Because God has faith as well. He speaks to those things that are not as though they were. So think about it. If, if that's how we operate in life, if God's saying this is your mode in life to speak to those things that are not as though they were, why would God be any different? Why would Holy Spirit speak any differently to you? Holy Spirit doesn't need to remind you of all the bad stuff you did. It's like, yeah, I get it. Thanks. <laughs> Holy Spirit reminds you of who you really are. So stop wallowing around in this because that's not what you're built for. Does that make sense? Will you stand with me this morning? Maybe that was kind of a simple message. And for some of us, maybe we've already 
we're in a place where we understand this, but I just believe that there's people who still struggle with this. People who love Jesus, people who go to church, they read their Bible, they pray, they're, they're doing all the right things, but they still, they struggle with shame and with guilt. And they still struggle with sin in their life. Well, the answer to that is when God says, where are you? It's, it's to go, I'm not in the right place right now. I see it now, Holy Spirit. And think about this. God never brought shame to Adam and Eve. In fact, he covered their shame. It says that he actually uh, took an animal skin and covered that, that shame, that helplessness, and said, listen, I'm here for you. And I say this all the time. I'm going to say it again. God didn't offer a sacrifice and clothe them so he could look at them and be okay with them. You ever watch, I think it's Looney Tunes, might be an episode or two of Sylvester and Tweety. Don, you know where I'm going with this. But you ever seen they have that, that pair of glasses and they'll like, they'll paint onto it like the bird, Tweety Bird or something. So when they put the glasses on him, he thinks the bird's there. I, I think about that because I think sometimes we think that God has this pair of Jesus glasses. And when we come to him and we're in a struggle and we're in a time of need and we're like, God, I need you. He's like, oh, just a minute. I, I can't look at you. It just puts it. Okay, I see Jesus now. Okay, it's okay. I can speak to you now. What a messed up idea. God doesn't have to put Jesus glasses on because he sees us for who we are. Does that make sense? And so for some of us, if we're struggling this morning, as we're praying this morning, I really want you to just release that, 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 that bad thought of yourself, that bad idea of yourself, that bad picture of who you think you are. And I really want you to trust God and who he says you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just these opportunities where we can connect together, where we can share together in Scripture, knowing that you're here, you're leading us. And I just pray for anyone who's struggling this morning with condemnation. Maybe some of us feel like it's a penance. I'll feel bad for a while. That'll really prove to God that I mean it this time, and I'm really, really sorry. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're just ministering peace and love to them right now. That they're seeing that your grace is sufficient in our time of need. And all we have to do is ask. So we ask God, help us in these areas of our life. Help us to see ourselves as you truly made us to be. Just minister to us, Holy Spirit. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. I love you because you first loved me. And I just give to you right now this bad picture of who I think I am. I release it to you. And Jesus, I give you permission to bring healing, bring wholeness to my life. I receive the gift of righteousness. It's mine. In Jesus' name, amen. 
For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.